Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and we're here today with Tatiana O'Hara. Tatiana is a team operations coach that helps successful yet overwhelmed online business owners, hello, that's all of us here listening, I'm sure, (laughs) create the structure needed for their team and daily operations so they can focus on scaling faster. I had the immense pleasure of doing a VIP day with Tatiana in June, which completely changed how I approach hiring and managing people. And I'm so excited that she is here to share her wisdom and experience with us today. Tatiana, welcome. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be back working with you again. No, I'm stoked. Um, so Tatiana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah. So I, like you said, I'm an agency and team operations coach. And so what that means is I work with six-figure, multi-six-figure entrepreneurs that have a team and they want to essentially use their team more effectively so that they can step away from some of the day-to-day operations and really begin to focus on the things that are going to help them scale to seven figures. I started in corporate. That's kind of my background. I was a a district manager for a really popular grocery chain and I was managing, you know, five stores, five store managers, about 60 to 70 employees, $5 million in monthly budgets. And after doing that for about a year, I would say I begun to kind of draw a connection between the struggles that my managers were having and the struggles that online entrepreneurs were having. And that was that just lack of leadership knowledge or lack of high level hiring strategy knowledge. And so my managers were really struggling to run effective operations, run good store conditions and not have to work, you know, 15, 16 hour days. And it was because they didn't really know how to use their team effectively. So corporate was kind of like my guinea pig. I got to really practice my framework on my managers and really develop them and show them how to lead a team effectively so that they could focus on, you know, really being the manager of that store. And so now that's exactly what I do with online entrepreneurs. Awesome. And you just completed your first year working for yourself. Is that correct? I did. I did. So I did about four and a half years at my corporate job. Um, left in August of 2019. And yeah, just circled back on a full year. So it's it's crazy to look back. And honestly, it's crazy that it's already been a whole year. But yeah, <laughs> super exciting. Congratulations. I think that's like my favorite thing. I love hearing about those transitions. And I wonder if we could talk a little bit about that. Like for, I know a lot of our listeners and for myself, taking that leap can be challenging. Uh, it was challenging when I did it. And for folks who haven't done it yet, I think there's like, uh, you know, a healthy dose of like fear and concern. Um, how did you know it was time to to go out on your own? And was there anything like, I don't know, that you really learned in your first year that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So first, let me just say that I I had a really good job. Like I got this job right out of college. So I'm 21, 22 years old, um, making close to six figures, was making six figures by the time I left driving a company luxury car, phone bill was paid for. Like it was, it was very strange to a lot of people that I wanted to walk away from something like that. But I think when you, when you have something that you're passionate about, when you have something that's just on your heart, whatever business that might be, you kind of get to a point where you can't ignore it anymore, if that makes sense. And I was really starting to, to struggle mentally at my job. First of all, the, the company culture was rough. 
but I found myself like losing my creativity, losing my passion, becoming really lazy. And that's kind of how I knew. And so I spent about, I'd say a year, maybe a little less than a year preparing to leave financially. So um, saved up a good amount of money, paid off a good amount of debt. Um, I was living in a house at the time that I was able to buy, you know, working at that company, which I'm so grateful for, but I did buy a house that was above my means. And so a part of me preparing to quit was moving out of my house and moving in a tenant, you know, doing the whole landlord thing and moving into a cheaper apartment. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I actually, um, tore my ACL and I was out for six weeks for my surgery and my recovery. And during the six weeks that I was out, I was just thinking about how many times I've written this letter and not gone through with it. And I kind of took that six weeks of downtime as my, my final like runway to get prepared. And I resigned as soon as my leave of absence was over. Oh, that's awesome that you were able to like really take that time to plan ahead and like set yourself up for success. I am much more of a bridge burner. So I'm listening to, I was like, wow, you could save before leaving your job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I thought I'd saved enough, but that money goes really fast. (laughs) It goes really fast. So if I could give any advice to, you know, anybody wanting to quit their job, it would just be to like make the decision and be all in. Like you know, we never want to have regrets or anything like that. But I look back at my last year and I'm just like, man, like I can't even imagine what I could have accomplished by now had I quit when I originally wanted to quit, which was like a year prior. So yeah, just make the decision and go for it. You know, don't really let the opinions of others affect your decision. I know that's easier said than done, but that is 90% of the reason why I stayed longer was because people were like, well, are you sure you're ready? When in hindsight, I think I was. Yeah. Well, you have had an amazing year and during that time have been able to help so many like entrepreneurs start to actually step into that leadership role in their own businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about like how you are helping people with this and maybe some of the common problems that you see? And I, you can totally, I was like, I'm well, I'm willing to be a guinea pig here and admit to my many problems. Um, but yeah, what, how are you helping people? And like, what does that look like for so like, I guess, yeah, solopreneurs or solopreneurs to step into being leaders in their companies. Yeah, for sure. So I, I would say that I serve two different types of clients. One would be those solopreneurs, like you said, the ones that are hiring for the first time and they're really trying to wrap their head around the idea of delegating and building a team. Um, and then second would be, like I said, those six figure, multi six figure entrepreneurs that have a team and they're just kind of ready to restructure that team, if that makes sense. And so the way that I, I help both of them, honestly, is through a one-on-one intensive of, of some sort. So I offer VIP days, and then I offer one-on-one programs as well. And we essentially go through literally A to Z of their business. And so we start by really figuring out what the vision that you have for your company is, really getting crystal clear on that vision. And then we begin to audit your offers to make sure that they're scalable So I think that's one thing that I do that's unique as a team operations coach. A lot of people think that I'm just helping you hire, but the first thing I have to do is help you realize or make sure that your business model is even scalable to begin with. And if it's not, then we need to figure out a way to make it scalable, whether that means introducing a new offer or refining a current offer. And then we really start to talk about what you want your team to look like, right? You know, as we have now mapped out your vision, we've mapped out what a scalable offer looks like. 
what kind of roles do we need to plug into your business in order to make this happen? Um, in order for the business to be able to flow um, with ease and for you to be able to focus on the CEO tasks of the business. Um, so that would be like, you know, a really <laughs> big picture summary of kind of the work that I do with my clients. But I would say it's very eye-opening for a lot of people just because a lot of us are unfortunately building businesses based on what we think we have to do to be successful or based on, you know, something that a coach told us years ago or all of our business models kind of become like a carbon copy of what we see online. And so my approach is, you know, before I talk to you about who you want to hire, like, let's make sure you actually love this business. And this is something that you're going to want to stick with, you know, for years and years to come. I love that you're starting there because that's something I see a lot with my students in their like early stages is, is kind of skipping over the part where they figure out if they even actually want a business. (laughs) And especially before you start hiring and, and starting to bring other people in and being responsible, you know, for, for them and their well-being and, and their financial, you know, health, like making sure that you actually want the thing is sounds like an important step that a lot of us skip. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think, uh, you know, kind of looking further down the line, if I could reflect back on some VIP day clients that I've had, you know, they are approaching seven figures in their business and they're just now beginning to realize like way to like I hate all of this like I, I don't even know if I like I've I promise I've had that conversation with at least three of my clients of like do I even want to continue this business or I've had discovery calls that didn't convert because on the call like after me asking so I actually take you through your CEO vision um on my discovery call form so it's something that I want to get a little clear on before we even sign a contract to work together And I've had a couple clients that didn't convert because they realized they had no idea what the vision was, but they knew what they were doing wasn't it. And so it was kind of like, they felt like they needed to go back to the drawing board and figure out what business they should even be in right now. So I think it's a really important question. One, you know, just for overall your sanity and your profitability, but then to tie in the team approach, you know, you don't want to bring in team members into something that you don't truly love because they're going to be able to identify that. A lot of people think that hiring team members is going to, you know, help eliminate some of the problems that you have in your business. But for the most part, it, it helps to magnify them, right? You know, if, if you're bringing three people into a business that you don't love, that you're not passionate about, that's not scalable, that um, has no effective processes in place, they're going to identify that. And it's going to make you feel bad because you're going to have people asking you questions all day, every day that you don't know the answers to. So yeah, I think it's such an important starting point. I'd like to talk a little bit about something that I know as a personal remains a personal like concern of mine. Um, but you alluded to a little bit in terms of how you got to where you are, which is which is this company culture, and that you were in your company in, in the job that was yeah like a, a great job on paper. You know, you started to find yourself. You think you said that you were being you felt like you were being lazy, and that the culture wasn't really supporting you. And I know that from our conversations, I think a lot of business owners are afraid of replicating those cultures, if we come from a corporate environment or from another work environment in our own, when we start hiring. And I think that causes a lot of people to delay, like the fear of being a bad boss. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you work with people on that? And like, was there anything that we need to, we can like kind of start to think about to, to shift that story? Yeah, for sure. So I, I kind of have like a cheesy generic belief on that. <laughs> and that <laughs> is, you know, the, the people that I work with are good people, right? They, they come from a good place. And 
I, I find that I don't often have to teach too many of the soft leadership skills, right? I'd say the softest skill that I have to teach is how to have tough conversations with, with our team members, whether it be performance related or whatever. What I find is the reason why a lot of us lack confidence in the ability to lead and the reason why some of us aren't leading to our highest capacity or our, our, you know, the best of our ability is not because of the lack of soft skills, but it's because of the lack of tools. And I think that's why I love the approach that I take so much because I'm all about helping you get everything in place so that being a good leader is natural for you helping you streamline your operations day to day so that the day flows smoother so that everyone knows where tasks are going to be assigned. Everyone knows when they're going to be checked in with everyone knows where to communicate when the meetings are. Um, everyone knows the vision of the company, you know, the current projects that we're working on. And the reason why I like to focus on this is because when you have those tools in place, automatically you're creating a better work environment for the people that work with you. And I always like to give the example of think back to when you were younger and you were working, you know, some of your smaller jobs, grocery stores, restaurants, whatever. Have you ever had one of those bosses that was such a great person? Like you loved working for him or her, but they had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea how to run the business. You know, the day-to-day was a mess, but they were such great people that we wanted to work for them. That is what I'm trying to avoid. And I think that's what a lot of people are running into because we're so focused on those soft skills, but we need to make sure that we have an infrastructure in our business that people can follow. Um, And when you have that, it's so much easier to lead a team, right? It's easier to give your team praise. It's easier to have team retreats and all the fun stuff because you know, the day-to-day is flowing the way that it should focus on getting the infrastructure of your business in place and having solid operations And that confidence in your ability to lead is naturally going to follow because you know you have something to lead them to, lead them with, versus when our businesses are kind of all over the place and we're trying to put the focus on, you know, scheduling our next team retreat. Nobody cares about a team retreat when their day-to-day is just, you know, extremely hectic and they have no idea what's expected of them. I think that was one of the big things that I learned from you was about that, like setting those expectations and being really clear, especially after being you know, having everything inside of my head for so long (laughs) and figuring out how to take that out and actually share that vision and those, and like create those responsibilities with people. And that's been a total game changer on our end for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think like, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that we don't think about as much because when you think of the word leadership, I think you automatically think of like giving praise and making sure you know about their family life. And all of that is so, so important. But like I said, when you're a good person um, and everyone that I work with is a good person, that's the point of the discovery call, right? Nobody wants to work with a jerk. Um, But when you're (laughs) a good person, when you you get the tools in place first, like I promise everything else is just going to flow so much more naturally to you. So if we have some folks listening and we can kind of talk to like both of those, cause we definitely have people who are looking at those first hires and then people who have some team and are trying to kind of figure it out. Both of the, the kind of segments of folks that you work with for our people who are looking at that, like first hire, how should they start thinking about, yeah, about who they should hire and this, this idea of delegating? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think the first thing that you want to start to think about is what exactly do you do in a day? 
every single day in the business, what are the tasks that you're spending your time on? Um, and you can kind of write this out. I have actually have a freebie that, um, I can tell your audience about at the end, but oh, awesome. um, I have a freebie. it's called a task matrix. And basically it's just going to help you mind map, you know, everything that you do or that you're responsible for day to day within the business and group it into categories based on, is this a skill set of yours? Is this something that you enjoy doing in the business or not? Is this something that is directly bringing revenue into the business? And so once you can get a really good glimpse at everything that you do, and the most eye-opening thing here is how much we truly do day to day. You know, a lot of us think, oh, well, you know, I just post on Instagram and do client work and, you know, (laughs) keep up with my numbers. But in reality, there's so much more. So when you first figure out everything that you do in the business, you could take a step back and see, okay, out of all of these things, these are the things that I hate doing. These are the things that I'm not good at, that I'm spending way too much time on. These are the things that if I had more time to do, I could double the revenue of the company. And so what you do is you kind of take that list of tasks that you need to get off of your plate and you look at it and try to see if you can find any commonalities, right? Are they all social media related tasks? Are they all project management related tasks? Are they all, you know, in relation to a group program or Facebook group that you run? And then from there, you can kind of decide, okay, what does this role look like? If it's very much geared into, like I said, the Facebook group and your group group programs, maybe that means you need to hire a community manager. Or if they're all very social media focused, maybe it's a social media manager. If they're kind of all over the place, maybe it's a virtual assistant, right? And so now you know exactly who you need to hire, and then you can kind of begin to map out what that person looks like. Um, not physically looks, but you know, what kind of skill sets do they bring to the table? Um, what kind of availability do they have? How many hours do you want this person to work within your business? And then you can kind of go through the hiring process. But I think that that's the step that a lot of us miss. A lot of us think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm stressed out. I need to hire. Let me just hire, you know, a virtual assistant for a couple bucks an hour. Um, and we end up not making the best use of them. And that's because, One, we didn't strategically think through what we wanted them to do. And two, we might have needed a different role within the business, right? Maybe we didn't need a virtual assistant or a generalist. Maybe we needed someone who's more of a specialist, right? Maybe we just needed someone to come in and edit our podcast and do the show notes. Maybe that was the area that someone could make the most impact at the moment. So really just taking the time up front to identify what hire you need, what role you need to hire for, and then focusing on the rest versus doing it in reverse, which is what a lot of us are doing. Yeah, I definitely know my first hires. I was just like, help me. (laughs) (laughs) That is is so normal, honestly. And if I could be honest, so a long time ago, maybe like right after I quit my job, um, a friend of mine told me about this company that um, it's like a virtual assistant agency it was a new company and they were offering nine, not 90, 60 day free trials, right? You got a virtual assistant for 60 days for free. And I was like, wow, like show me where this person is. Like I cannot wait. And so we start and I kid you not, like I had no idea what to give her. Like I was throwing her random things and nothing. Like when I look back at that 60 days, zero impact was made in my business. I remember there was a point where she sent me an email and was like, Hey, so these are some of the things that I commonly do for my clients. Like, would you like me to do any of these? And that's kind of what (laughs) helped me come to this new conclusion today of like, 
we have to figure out what we need help with in our business first, instead of just jumping at the help. Um, because in hindsight, that 60 days could have moved me months and months in advance in my business, but it didn't because I didn't apply any strategy up front. I'm like, I feel that so much. Oh, and <laughs> I feel so bad for those first people that worked with me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we have to have this plan. And I love this idea of, and we'll definitely make sure we, we link up your um, task matrix freebie in the show notes too, because like once, like, I don't think I'd ever sat down and really thought about all my tasks until we worked together. And I had that realization you were mentioning. I was like, oh my gosh, I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And just seeing it laid out was, first of all, honestly, it was a little bit gratifying. I was like, oh, I don't just scroll on Instagram all day. I do like right. work. Um, but it was so helpful because then I actually had a set of tasks when it was time to hire again that I was so clear, like, oh, as you were saying, these things are connected. We need someone with this skill set who, who's going to be excited about this kind of work because I suck at it um, <laughs> and that we can find that person. And we did. And then kind of something else that I'd love to talk a little bit about was like, what is, okay. Cause this was a conversation you and I had, and I'm going to tell you here on the air. I don't know if you remember, but you made it, you made a suggestion about moving some people around in my business. And I was like, okay, maybe. And mm-hmm. like two months later, I was like, Oh, Tatiana was totally right. And did it. So I'm just gonna nice. say that. Um, <laughs> but then, so it's like, we have our, those first hires. We tried to be strategic but then what happens when we realize that like people are maybe in the wrong seats, right? Or we need to like do that restructuring for those folks who are kind of crossing that six figure plus mark. How do we approach that? Yeah. So um, that is probably the most common thing that I'm doing in my VIP days. Um, just because a lot of times, like, you know, the, the saying, it's like, if it ain't broken, don't try to fix it or something like that we think that it's not broken because it's what we've always done. But in reality, you know, it's causing a bunch of very small bottlenecks everywhere within the business. And so the easiest way to, first I'll say the easiest way to identify when it's time to restructure your team would be when you're approaching some, you know, some sort of ceiling in the business, whether it's revenue um, or time, right? Everyone in the business is overloaded, um, really strapped for time. Or two, you're just experiencing a lot of friction. Um, things aren't getting done right. Things are slipping through the cracks. People that you've always been able to count on aren't as reliable anymore. Um, and it's not because they're not good employees, but it's because they're not where they're best serving the business right now. And so once you've kind of identified that and you're like, okay, well, how do I actually figure out who should be where? Um, one of the things that I do with my clients is a team analysis. So we're going to look at the strengths, the weaknesses of each employee, how much we're paying them, how many hours they should be working versus how many they're actually working. Um, and you know, would we promote this person or not? And so it's very similar to the task matrix because you get a very, a very bird's eye view at everyone within the business and you can quickly identify like, okay, so right now, Sally is, you know, our social media manager and she's writing our captions for us. And she's really, really good at writing. Like she loves writing. She's really good at it, but she's not great at the engagement portion of the business. You know, doesn't do it authentically. It's very generic. It doesn't connect with people, but the writing is amazing. And then you are looking at the the bigger picture of the business and you identify that you really have a need for someone to write blogs for the, for the business, right? Or maybe 
um, you need a copywriter, someone that can um, kind of write copy for the website and for email sequences. And then you realize that the girl, I think I called her Sally. I don't remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then you realize like, okay, so Sally was a great social media manager starting out, but now we're realizing that engagement isn't her strong suit, but she's a phenomenal writer. So what would it look like to move Sally into more of a copywriter role where she writes the captions, but she also writes blogs, emails, and does website updates. And then we hire in an engagement specialist who can just focus on that engagement. And also sometimes what you find is it doesn't always mean that you're going to spend more money because sometimes, you know, Sally might be working crazy amounts of hours right now, but maybe that's because she's doing a lot of things that aren't in her zone of genius. But when you put her back in her zone of genius, she starts working a normal amount of hours and then you can hire someone to work, you know, the, the difference, the difference in what she was working versus what she is now. Now you haven't raised your payroll at all. You have another team member, you have both people in their zone of genius and the business is being better served. So that's kind of the approach that I take is really looking at the strengths, the weaknesses of the person and where could they be better serving the business? And then now how can we do this in the most cost-effective way possible? Yeah. I I love in particular that you do also talk about the costs, which I know sounds like, well, duh, but I find so many times like people in our industry just kind of want to pretend that like money isn't a factor, (laughs) especially with stuff like team, like just hire someone. It'll be fine. It's like, well, yes. And (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And I'll, I'll be honest, like that wasn't something that I initially thought about, but then like, I, I kind of did a couple like practice run VIP days before I did my first one, which was actually you, by the way. Um, and that was one gap that I identified, like with one of my friends, I suggested that she made an additional like rehires and she's like, okay, but how am I going to pay for these people? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is an excellent question. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely something that we need to put a focus on. But however, I do want to challenge everyone listening to this and I challenge all my clients to do the same is to put the financial part of it in the very back of your head. I know that doesn't sound practical at all, but what happens when we think about the money up front is we tend to make decisions based on where we are now versus where we want to be. Sometimes if, if I do a VIP day with you and we determine that you need to make three additional hires and it is actually going to cost you that additional money then maybe the, our next step is just determining what the rollout phases are going to be for that. Maybe that doesn't mean you hire all three people at once, but I really want to empower my clients to make decisions as the seven-figure entrepreneur that they want to be, not as the person who you know feels like they can't afford this person right now, because maybe that means of the three hires, right now you only hire one and you can only afford to do 10 hours a month, but then you ramp up from there. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, the money portion is very important, but I don't want that to, you know, keep anyone from making those big boss decisions. Well, and as you kind of alluded to earlier too, that when you were talking about like the, the, the task matrix for like the boss, right. If there's, if you have those time, time to focus on the revenue generating tasks, because Mm -hmm. you've hired someone to help, that's a game changer. I mean, after I worked with you, the next month we hired two contractors to help with some stuff that we identified as problems. The next month hired somebody else and we promoted someone and we had our biggest month ever as soon as we hired those people, because I could actually do my job again. 
Ooh, that, that's, that's good. I didn't know that. I need, we need to talk about that. Let me write that into a testimonial for you. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that's the goal, right? Like just to give you like a simple formula, it's not even formula. That's not the right word for it. But anytime you hire someone in your business, if you're listening to this and you're making your first hire, you're making your second hire, whatever the case is, you hire someone, right? Whatever that cost was that you assumed to hire that person. I want you to now look at the tasks that they're responsible for, the things that they're going to take off of your plate. Once you get to the point that they are, you know, trained and they're fully in their role, I want you to take the time that you previously spent on those old tasks and channel it directly into revenue generating activities so that you can go out and secure more revenue for the business. And then once you secure more revenue, you hire someone else and it's just rinse and repeat, right? Hire someone, get more time, use the time to make more money, hire someone, get more time, use the time to make more money. And of course, it's not always going to be that cookie cutter, right? It's not always going to be that simple, but big picture, that's what the goal should be. You know, hiring people to do the things that we don't want to do in our business anymore. That's great, but you'll find, and I'm sure you agree with this, Sarah, you'll find that the more money that you make in your business, the, the bigger your team gets the less those hires become about what do you not want to do in the business and what you should be doing. You know what I mean? It, yes. it becomes more of a, a revenue specific decision versus feelings. All of our first hire is going to be a feeling based person, right? Because we're, we're tired, we're overwhelmed, we're stressed. So we're hiring someone to take that load off of us. But as you grow, you need to make more strategic decisions because Maybe that looks like hiring, you know, a a marketing officer because you recognize that marketing is a a weak spot for the company that's costing you money. Or maybe that means, you know, if you run an agency of some sort, maybe that means hiring someone that can manage the finances because profit margins are very sensitive with agencies, right? And so it becomes less and less about what do I want to hire for and what does the business need? So yeah, just random. No, I love that. And I think that is like, that's a huge shift that I saw really in the past year for myself, but especially after working with you is really identifying, I mean, there is some overlap of like my feelings and what we need because it points to the stuff that I'm not good at, but ultimately those hires are in service of the business. And I think that's something that I know you really helped me kind of start to see is like, is as a leader that the business is its own entity with its own needs. And like that my feelings are actually not the most important part of the the equation. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So you've also now a year in, you've started to do some hiring for yourself, right? I'm curious how that's been stepping into that role in your own business, especially after your management experience. Let me tell you, initially it was the most strange phenomenon I've ever experienced because it's like, I haven't managed my own team since my corporate days, which was obviously a little over a year ago. And then I'm literally teaching people how to do this all day, every day. And then when I did it for myself, it was more so the hiring process. It was like, wait, how do I, how do I do this? I literally had to pretty much give myself a VIP day. (laughs) I think we, we can all relate to, you know, it's so easy to give advice to others, but it's hard to take our own advice. Oh, we yeah. this beautiful framework within our business that works for our clients. But when we try to apply it to ourselves, it's like, what language is this? 
So initially it was, it was um, a learning curve for me, but now I fully feel like I'm in my zone. Um, I have a, I had an engagement specialist, but we just um, promoted her to full social media manager. And then I also have like a high level virtual assistant. I would love for her to be my OBM in the future, but right now I don't need her to manage my team because it's literally just me and the social media manager. Um, but she's amazing. They're both amazing. Um, we manage everything through ClickUp. We meet every Monday. We communicate through Slack day to day and it has made, you know, a world of difference. I actually made a post the other day when I hired my social media or at the time she was an engagement specialist, she was taking care of social media for me, which I promise you, I was spending like six hours a day on just scrolling aimlessly, trying to like stuff and engage and going to hashtags and not really knowing what I was doing. And when I first started working with her, I was making, I think two, two to $3,000 a month in my coaching business. And I started working with her when she took that off of my plate, I went full force into PR. Like I was on probably five or six podcasts in a month. I did four or five different guest trainings and different Facebook groups. And I had several other podcasts kind of lined up. And then next month, um, I had my highest cash month ever at $26,000. I know it was crazy. It was crazy. (laughs) But is that to say that every time you hire someone, you're going to see that big of a ROI immediately? No, of course not. But I like to think that I did it the way that I'm trying to teach my clients to do it. And that is taking that time that you previously spent on tasks that you have no business doing and funneling it into things that are going to grow the business. PR is hands down the thing that, you know, we make the least amount of time for naturally in business, right? We're trying to run our own business. Like, I don't have time to go tell other people about about my business that aren't actual clients. And so now that's like a normal part of my routine. And it's what helps me stay top of mind. It helps me get, you know, in touch with other audiences. So that's kind of what my experience has been so far. Now we're just working on consistent revenue because the 26K was great, of course, but um, we have not hit 26K again yet. So now we're focusing on just really streamlining and making sure that I can kind of put the business in a place to make consistent high, you know, five figure months. But yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's awesome. And first of all, congratulations. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Love nothing more than a, a 10x story. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I love that you, you know, I think I'd actually like to talk a little bit about this because I think, especially social media, is such a great example. I think a lot of times, even if we know it's not the best use of our time, we're scared to to give it up, right? We're scared to hire someone to do that. And I think, I think for a lot of a lot of the folks listening, social media is probably a big one there where they're like, I know it matters when I show up more consistently, I get more clients, but can I really like hand that off? How do you, well, first of all, like, what do you say to those of us who are control freaks? And then second, um, how do you help people start to really step into that process of, of handing over stuff that is, that is important? Yeah, for sure. So first thing I'll say is, don't ever feel like you have to delegate every single aspect of whatever this thing is. So for me, when it comes to social media, it's very important to me that I write my own captions. I am a big storyteller. I have, you know, a lot of 
fun with copywriting. And I think that it's something that I do fairly well because I get pretty good conversion on the things that I write. So I knew that having someone doing social media for me did not mean giving them the ability to write my captions for me. Um, and so a lot of times when we're thinking like, oh, I'm going to delegate this task, we think we have to give it 100% up, but I'm only giving up 90% of it, but that 90% has made a really big difference for me, right? And so for the rest of it, I think the other really big piece was engagement. I didn't want it to come off as just weird and sketchy. Like I think a lot of us can tell when we're being engaged with <laughs> by an assistant of some sort, and that's not the vibe that I wanted to give off. And so the the biggest thing that I did that has helped me feel more comfortable with the transition was making sure that I gave her all the tools to be successful in that role. And so one of the things that we did was I created a brand voice guide. And this is literally just a Excel document with a bunch of different categories. And, you know, one category might say, these are some of my typical conversation starters. And then these are my most commonly used emojis. These are sayings that I say often. These are things that I never say. This is how I start my sales conversations. And so I gave her the tools to go out and be successful as an, an engagement specialist, right? But a lot of times our lack of comfort with the idea of delegation is we fear that we don't know what direction to give them. We feel like we don't have a process in place. We feel like, you know, they can't do it as well as we can. When in reality, we're hiring experts, right? If you hire the right person, you've hired an expert. So now all you have to do is bridge the gap between their skill set and your business, right? They already know how to do the job. You just have to show them how you want it done within your business um, and start small. Again, like don't feel like you have to delegate the entire task up front. Just start with a portion of it and kind of work your way up. And then I think the second piece of that is managing expectations. That's the, the, the ball that we drop the most is we have, you know, had this excellent onboarding process. We really talk to them about what we need them to do in the business, but then that's it, right? We talk to them here and there in Slack and we wonder why we're not getting the result that we want, but it's because we're not managing the expectation. And so what that might look like is regularly scheduled meetings, that might look like creating a KPI around that, that role, right? So for my engagement specialist, um, the KPI that we were looking at was um, reach and then also impressions and follower growth. Sorry, there were three of them. So every single week, we're looking at those metrics and making sure that we are trending in a positive way. And if not, that's my opportunity to manage the expectation. Hey, this is what we, you know, we said we were going to be able to do every week. You know, how can I help you better achieve this goal? Why do you think we are currently not achieving this goal? And that eases my fears around the idea of delegating this task to her because I know that she knows exactly what's expected of her. I know that she, I gave her all the tools that she needed to be successful. And I know that we're going to have great communication. So if she does drop the ball, which is fine, we're human. If she does drop the ball, then I feel confident in my ability to talk to her about how the ball was dropped, in what way it was dropped, you know, how how far did we drop the ball? What would it take to pick the ball back up? You know what I mean? Um, so really just protecting yourself on all fronts, just being really prepared going into delegating this new task. I love that you talk about that because something that I really learned from you was that I was way under communicating. I think as a 
probably like reactionary to some of my like work experiences and that, you know, when you talk about kind of like managing and setting these expectations as a collaborative process with like built-in check-in points, like you have meetings with your team. It's a weird idea. I know like (laughs) that has been a huge game changer because it lets us all know that we have places to connect and like, I think I was definitely like practicing kind of like abandonment CEOing where I was like, um, I don't want to micromanage you. So bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. And I, I love that you, you touched on micromanaging because I, I think that that's a word that we, we use so often because we think that that's what we're doing. We think that's, you know, that's what we're going to do when in reality, it's not, you know, like we are literally managing virtual teams. We might not ever meet some of our team members. And so naturally additional touch points, additional communication is going to be required because things get lost in translation online. Think about all the time. If you've ever gotten into some sort of very minor argument with someone, a friend, a family member via text, think of how easily it is to misconstrue information um, that is sent via text message. So naturally you're going to have the need to meet virtually, you know, in the form of Zoom or a call more often. The the people that are working for you online, they most likely are a contractor, right? So they run their own business. So they need your positive testimonials to continue moving forward in their business. So they want additional communication. They want to know what's going on. They want to know when they're doing a good job, when they're not doing a good job. And so we think it's micromanaging, but really it's just managing. It that like that's what comes with the territory of leading a team. Now, of course you can micromanage, right? Being on top of them, you know, for every little project, checking in every 10 minutes. And anytime you feel like you're micromanaging, I challenge you to just take a step back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Do I feel like they're under trained? Do I feel like I made a bad hire? Do I feel like they don't have enough information? Do I not feel confident in this project? Do I not feel you know, X, Y, or Z, and then address that root problem. Because nine times out of 10, when we're micromanaging, it's because we're avoiding the bigger issue at hand, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of doing that as a coping mechanism. Oh, I, you're like, both like poking at my heart and soothing my soul at the same time. <laughs> well, I realized last week I was starting to fall into some micromanaging habits and I kept catching myself, which I was very proud of myself for. Um, I think that was like largely because you helped me see how to properly train and support someone. So I was like, I know they have everything they need. So why, and our results are good. So why am I behaving this way? And it's, it was, it's my anxiety. It's like, I had developed a story about what was necessary for this role based on my like need to I don't know what, create significance by being stressed out probably. And I was like, okay, cool. This has nothing to do with this, with this employee. I'm going to, I'm just going to go and walk around the block instead of bothering them. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that that's so like, um, what's the word? It's just really big of you to be able to say that because a lot of us, um, really struggle with the self-awareness. Oh my goodness. That could be a whole nother podcast episode because Self-awareness is so important as an entrepreneur, of course, but especially when you're leading a team, like you need to be able to call yourself out on your own BS so that you can make better decisions moving forward. You know, like one of the things that I had to call myself out on when I was um, in corporate was again, like I was micromanaging my team. I was literally at the grocery store. I kid you not. Sometimes I would get there 
and I would see that the store was just in flames and I would just immediately go get a cash till and jump on the register because I thought that that's what they needed. Like I thought they needed someone to get in and do the job with them so that they could be successful. When in reality, like I was doing that because I was insecure about my ability to have the tough conversations and to really give them the leadership that they needed. And so I think I had to really develop like some self-awareness in corporate so that I could show up and be the best leader that I needed to be versus kind of like avoiding, avoiding the real root problem. So I think that's big. And I think, you know, you having self-awareness and just the ability to be self-aware, like that's going to take you really far. And I think that's the difference between someone that can run a seven, eight, nine figure business versus someone who likely never will, right? The people that are kind of avoiding what the bigger problem might be. Well, I'll say a lot of this was thanks to you actually showing me how to help people succeed at their jobs first. So thank you. Thank you. I'm just so glad <laughs> to work together. This is just been great. Me too. Uh, so let's hear a little bit about what's next for you after your busy year and your 26K month. What is coming up for Tatiana? Yeah, so next year, um, I am launching a couple different small offers, introducing um, a product. I'm going to have t-shirts <gasps> that I'm going to be selling. Yes! <laughs> yes. And I just launched my first digital product, and it is called A Guide to Tough Conversations. So it basically walks entrepreneurs through how to have performance-based conversations with their contractors or their employees, as well as how to fire someone, you know, how to let them go and how to not feel, you know, just completely terrible going into the conversation. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited about next year. I think the biggest change that I'm already beginning to make is working with solopreneurs that are looking to hire for the first time. I think I had some, some mindset blocks around that and some resistance. And that's why I was only doing my VIP days with people that were, you know, six figure, multi six figure entrepreneurs, but I realize that there's such a huge need for it. And I connect so deeply with people that are making their first hires. So I'm excited to pretty much open up like the second leg of my business where I'll be able to focus on, on them as well. That's awesome. There is such a need. Like, I wish I had met you earlier. (laughs) Would have saved, saved saved me some, some, some some challenges. (laughs) Well, if, if people want to learn more about you and, and work with you, where can they find you? What's your, where can they come and make, make, make friends? Yeah, definitely. So I hang out on Instagram often. Um, you can find me on Instagram at underscore Tatiana O'Hara. Um, you can also check out my website, uh, tatianaohara.com. And I will have a couple different um, resources available for you. So like I said, my task matrix, uh, it's a free download where you'll be able to kind of map out everything that you do day to day so that it can prepare you for that first, second or third hire, as well as that guide to tough conversations that I mentioned. And then if you're listening to this, you likely fall into one of two categories. You're either a solopreneur um, hiring for the first time. Perhaps you are at um, consistent four figure months, maybe even beginning to touch that five figure mark. And if so, I would highly recommend that you check out Um, my newest group coaching program, and that is called Grindaholics Anonymous. And it is a rehab program for the solopreneur who does not like delegation. Depending on when this airs, I might be in the midst of a cohort, but I plan on kind of doing them back to back to an extent. So 
definitely check that out. Um, I think that would be a great kind of starting place for us to work together. Um, my main goals through this program are to get you comfortable around the idea of delegating, um, comfortable around the idea of hiring and really beginning to lead that team so that you can make more revenue. And then if you are listening to this and you are making consistent five figure months, you already have a team and you are ready to go to the next level. Um, you want to identify those bottlenecks and you just want your day to day to flow much smoother then I definitely recommend my VIP day. So that's what um, Sarah and I did together. That is my signature offer. And it is a virtual intensive where I literally take you from identifying the vision of your business all the way down to beginning to develop KPIs for each individual employee on, um, on your team. So you're going to walk away with the clarity of what your day to day should look like. You're going to know your next several hires that you need to make within the business. And ultimately you're going to feel like you have the tools that you need to be an effective leader. Amazing. We will link all of that up in the show notes so folks can come find you. And I mean, Tatiana, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us today. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait for everyone listening at home to have the opportunity to, to start to dream and vision their growing team with your help. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Everyone listening at home, thank you for being here. We wouldn't do this without you. I hope you have found this useful. Please go check out Tatiana's work. I really can't recommend her highly enough. And I will see you all next week. Bye for now.